0: Young voters are making a difference in elections across the country, most recently in the Supreme Court race in Wisconsin. But because these voters tend to vote for Democrats, instead of celebrating turnout or trying to get their votes, Republican lawmakers are trying to suppress them. This is Defending Democracy, a weekly podcast from Democracy Docket. We're your hosts. I'm Mark Elias.
1: And I'm Paige Moskowitz. Let's get started.
0: When most people think about discrimination in voting, they think about minority voters being discriminated against. They think about the general public facing inconveniences in voting unnecessarily because legislators want to make it harder to, for example, vote by mail. But the most recent constitutional amendment dealing with the question of discrimination in voting was aimed at protecting a specific class of voters, and those are young voters. The 26th Amendment to the Constitution was added in the 1970s specifically to protect young voters from age discrimination in voting. People think of the 26th Amendment as the provision that lowered the voting age to 18 years of age, but what it actually did was much more powerful. It said that no one can be ha, can have their rights to vote abridged or denied on account of age if they are over 18 years of age. The topic of youth voting has come up in the news lately because it has become the latest way that Republicans can seek to gain an upper hand in the outcome of elections. Our friend Cleta Mitchell is Actually, back.
1: Mark, she doesn't think we're friends because we have democracy in our name. She says that anyone with democracy in their name is not a friend of hers.
0: That is true. Um, She said that as well, but she was recorded at a RNC meeting. And there's so much in there that I recommend everyone go watch uh, the video that Lauren Windsor posted online. A link is in the show notes. And it's really remarkable, Paige, because she wants to combat college voters, Like literally, like it's not the usual fraud stuff. Like the usual fraud stuff is like, there are dead people, there are ballot harvesters. Like, it's not that. It's not that at all. If you watch the video, it's they're letting people on college vote. And then you kind of like pause and you're like, okay, where's like the, where's this, where's like the, where's the the egregious? And then they're like, where's the egregiousness, right. And then they're like, and they're registering them too. Like, it's, you're like, okay, and they're registering them, and they're voting, and they're making it easy for them to register and to vote. I mean, it's crazy, Paige.
1: The horrors. The horrors of college students registering and voting.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was bad enough that Scott Walker, of all people, you know, the former governor of Wisconsin, that he decided to tweet that uh, you know that young voters were behind this, the the loss for conservatives, and that they need to do something about this. But Cleta's thing is crazier because literally she is standing in front of Republican people at the at the RNC and just complaining in state after state after state. Like she goes to a whole bunch of states. That the problem is that college students vote. Period. And you're like, huh? Huh? That's it? That's that's it? Like we went from 10,000 mules to, you know, Dylan and Rebecca
1: vote in, you know, in college? It's really remarkable, Mark, because on one hand, you can almost understand why Scott Walker would make those comments. Because in 2018, when he ran for a third term to be Wisconsin governor, he lost to Democrat Tony Evers by over 30,000 votes. And at the time, according to Tufts University, there were over 340,000 college voters in Wisconsin and in counties that had a college campus. Basically, all of them went to Tony Evers. So Scott Walker hates college students because he's, they're the reason he's not the governor of Wisconsin anymore. Cleta Mitchell hates college students because they tend to vote Democrat. And the absolute horror of young people exercising their right to vote you know has her clutching her pearls. Yeah, right. So
0: just keep in mind that every time you hear Republicans talk about young voters, college voters, even, you know, 18-year-old uh, high school voters, they talk in derisive terms, you know, and that, and, and Cleta is just like the latest example of that. They are constantly engaged in trying to prevent this population from voting. Cleta literally went through state after state, and the one thing that they had in common, in each state she identified young people voting. And, Paige, this has a long history in this country. You know, the reason we have the 26th Amendment was because states were trying to go out of their way to fence out of the political process the youngest voters. And so we needed to amend the Constitution. And we did. And now we've got Cleta Mitchell complaining that colleges are having polling places too close to the dormitories. I mean, it's, it's just, uh, it's so, if it were not so funny, it would just be depressing.
1: Mike, the term youth voter, I think can seem really broad and kind of loosey goosey when you're trying to think about. It
0: gets broader as you get. (laughs) Let me just tell you this, this much I can tell you, you know, when I was, 30, it felt much younger than now that I'm 54. Youth voting seems much older.
1: Well, let's clarify by what we mean when we say youth voters. Typically, when people, organizations, politicians are talking about youth voters, it's voters under the age of 30, so 18 to 30. But there's a special emphasis on student voters who tend to be 18 to 22 years old. But it's important to remember, not all young voters are student voters. Not all student voters are young voters. But attacks on young voters tend to go hand in hand with attacks on student voters, just because logistically, if you're targeting the way student voters vote, you can target thousands, if not tens of thousands of potential voters at one time, because you're talking about a college campus, it's usually densely populated with 18 to 22-year-olds, there may not always be transportation uh, easily accessible on and off that campus, you could have a lot of of out-of-state students. So college campuses just become a very easy and convenient way to either help young people reach the ballot box, or if you're a Republican and you want to suppress those voters because they do tend to vote for Democrats, not Republicans, you have them all in one spot and you can cut off access points in and around the campus to make sure that they can't cast their ballot.
0: Yeah, there are a couple of other things that make them easy to target for state legislatures. Uh, the first is that they're inexperienced voters. You know, if you think about it, most young voters are either first-time voters or at most second-time voters, uh, particularly ones who are away from home at college campuses are navigating a whole host of changes in their lives uh, uh, that they are trying to figure out. So voting is one additional logistical issue that college students face, and so that period of uncertainty in their lives, coupled with the facts that they don't have established patterns of voting, like older voters oftentimes do, can make them easier uh, to uh, discriminate against without the students necessarily knowing that they're being discriminated against. The other thing, of course, is that student voters in particular are highly mobile, right? They are in a location oftentimes for four years of their lives, sometimes a little more, sometimes less. Um, and so it's hard for them to establish that they are being discriminated against because they are entered a new environment. They, ha- they, they think that what is happening is the normal status quo, even though it may be a recent or intentional act at um, discriminating against them. Paige, I do have one clarification that I want to ask you. If I'm young at heart, Can I be a young
1: voter? I think anyone can be a young voter if they want to, but anyone can advocate for young voters as well. I think they're, yeah, anyone can advocate for young voters, especially because I think as a young voter myself, as someone who falls into this category and got started in voting rights on my college campus because it was hard to vote as a college student, there tends to be a bit of uh, apathy from older, from more established voters, I should say. Uh, who tend to think that, you know, the issues college students face when it comes to voting or young people face when it comes to voting is side effects of immaturity, right? Mark, like what you said, they're not experienced voters. They don't have established patterns yet. And they're like, well, they're they're college students. Why should they even vote at their campus address? They're, they're not even engaged in local politics yet. They don't know anything about the quote unquote real world, um, which is, You know some of y'all listening may be like who would ever say that those are the twitter replies we get all the time anytime we tweet about voter suppression laws targeting young voters or lawsuits trying to advocate for young voters so mike let's clear it up for everyone student voters who move to attend school are allowed to register to vote and cast a ballot using their campus address and this isn't a rule that just came out of nowhere it is a u.s supreme court case SIM the United States, where SCOTUS ruled that college students can use their campus addresses as residencies for the purpose of voting.
0: Yeah. And, you know, when I hear these arguments, whether it's on Twitter or to a surprising degree page, legislatures are very honest sometimes. You know, sometimes they they really just speak the quiet part out loud when it comes to discriminating against young voters um, in a way that they would be hesitant to do if discriminating, when discriminating against other, other kinds of voters. Um, but when I hear this, I, I'm sort of left with kind of two reactions. The first is we have moved in this country away from the notion that certain categories of people have more stake in democracy than others, right? That was the original rationale for why, for example, you had to own property in order to vote. Right. So this whole notion that some people have greater stakes in the community than others, I think is actually a dangerous proxy for broader notions of limiting voting and voting rights. But the second page is whether you think it's good policy or bad policy, it's in the Constitution. Like it's literally an amendment to the U.S. Constitution. So all of these conservatives who are constantly saying, but the Second Amendment, but the First Amendment, but this, but that in the Constitution. Well, I got news for you. The 26th Amendment is explicitly clear in protecting young voters. It was passed specifically to protect young voters. The legislative history of it could not be clearer. The text could not be clearer. So if you don't agree with it, then take it up by trying to repeal it. You know, we repealed prohibition. Uh, If people want to take on the the youth voting as ill-guided as I think it would be, their complaint is not with people like you and others who have advocated for youth voting. Their complaint is with the Constitution itself.
1: Mark, I think it's also really interesting the way that people say that students or young voters aren't necessarily a part of a community because they're not, quote unquote, established enough. But at the same time, those same officials, politicians, local leaders are more than happy to count students in the census at their campus addresses and as part of their communities when they're asking the federal government for representation in Congress and federal funding. Students who live on college campuses are counted in the census as residents of that college campus. Now, individual students will change every year, but a student population as a whole is pretty constant from decade to decade. It tends to grow, not shrink. So officials are happy to have students as local residents when it comes to census counting, even if they then turn around and say, you shouldn't vote here, you're not a part of our community.
0: Yeah, again, you know, they're gripe peers with the Constitution. You know, these students have a right to vote. Uh, and by the way, Paige, it's it's uh, it's not like those students don't then face obstacles if they try to vote where they were where they were born and raised. Right. We've seen lots of laws like Texas, for example, that makes it hard for students who move out of Texas but want to continue to vote in Texas makes it hard for them to vote. You know, even a state like Minnesota, which, you know, has reason, has improved its voting laws over time, still requires a Minnesota witness to sign your absentee ballot. Well, if you're a student out of town at a school outside of Minnesota, that's no easy trick. So, so states, you know, are not exactly... Um, uh, serving young voters regardless of where they want to vote. And that is something we need to see change. Overall, if you look at all of the statistics about voting, whether it is who wait, waits in long lines to vote, who has their absentee ballots rejected. Paige, we've, we've talked on previous episodes about these, these um, wet ink signature laws that states like Texas, like Florida, Georgia have. These are just transparent efforts to prevent young voters from being able to register and vote. So it's an epidemic in this country. It is one that really deserves more attention than it gets, more outrage than it garners. And Paige, we're seeing now state after state after state take even more extreme extreme steps to target youth voters.
1: Yeah, so let's get into it, Mark. One of the most recent states to pass a law targeted directly at students was Idaho. They passed a law that eliminates the use of student ID cards to vote. And what you should know about Idaho is that between 2018 and 2022, registration jumped over 66% among voters aged 18 to 19 years old, which was the highest growth in the nation
0: yeah and they're and Paige, they're doing this for one reason and one reason only because they don't want young voters voting. You know, in some ways, uh credit to idaho for for not trying to hide their animus towards young voters. you know they could have they could have put this provision in a bill that did a whole bunch of things, and then we'd be ferreting this out. Now, they decided they were going to target young voters directly in page. One of the comments I keep getting from people on social media and elsewhere is there is they say, well, unlike other forms of ID, your student ID doesn't have your address Paige, what is another form of ID that all of these states allow that don't have your address?
1: A US passport for voting, and that doesn't have
0: your yeah. address on it. Yeah. Think about that. Everyone is like, we can't have student IDs because we don't know where the person lives. Well, the US passport doesn't say where you live, it says where you were born. That's it. It says where you were born. And so all of these efforts by Republicans to say we can't use student IDs, but we can use passports because they are providing more information they actually provide less information my passport just says i was born in new york it doesn't tell the person in virginia where i live anything about any connection to the great commonwealth of virginia it just tells me that i'm from new york uh where i was where i was born from new york so we need to put the lie to what these states are saying and what idaho is doing is just aimed at discriminating against students because of that increase in voting, and they don't want voter, voter, young voters participating in their elections, and so they want to make it harder.
1: And to give the scope of states that accept student IDs, there are 17 states that generally require a form of photo ID to vote. Uh, Idaho is joining Texas, North Dakota, Ohio, South Carolina, and Tennessee as states that don't accept any form of student IDs to vote. Arizona and Wisconsin have strict rules on student IDs that some colleges and universities struggle to meet. With some Wisconsin schools have done it. Again, there was a huge youth voter turnout in Wisconsin. That's why Scott Walker hates them.
0: Paige, just for full disclosure, my law firm is suing Idaho right now, uh, over this law in federal court, it's March for Our Lives of Idaho versus McGrain. and you can read all about that case uh, on the Democracy Docket website.
1: Initially, there's a state-level lawsuit over the same law. It is Babe Vote v. McGrain. It is also on the Democracy Docket website, and we'll keep you updated on both cases. So, Mike, with this new law, Idaho is joining a handful of other states that is banning student ID as an acceptable form of ID to vote. Another state that recently made this change is Ohio, another state with a very large student population that could have immense power in local elections. This year, they also passed a new law that does a whole host of things to make it harder to vote, but one of the provisions was eliminating student ID cards as an acceptable form of ID.
0: Yeah, of course they did. And, you know, and then what happens is Idaho passes its law and we say it joins Texas and four other states. And one of those states is Ohio. So it's part of a race to the bottom that Republican legislatures engage in, where each of them justifies their restrictions on voting by pointing to the fact how there are other states that engage in voter restrictions. And Ohio's law is is shameful. I mean, it's shameful in so many respects and we've talked about it, but their attack on student voting is, uh, is predictable because wherever you find Republican legislatures now passing new laws, uh, uh, that are restricting voting rights, you typically find them doing something uh, aimed at students. Look, Paige, at what's happening in Texas and Florida.
1: Right. In Texas, we're seeing legislation proposed by a state representative who dis- whose district includes a college campus with over like 30,000 students on it. She's proposed legislation to ban polling places both at institutes of higher education and at K through 12 schools.
0: Just think about that for a second, everyone. Imagine first introducing a law that says, can't have college polling places at all. Okay. How bad and inconvenient and disenfranchising that would be. But then just to add crazy to nuttiness, you then say, oh, and by the way, you can't cite polling locations in in any elementary or high school. Where are these polling places supposed to be?
1: I don't know. When I voted in person in Texas, I voted at an elementary school. I remember when I was in elementary school, my parents came to my school to vote. But K through 12 schools, public schools in Texas, are a huge source of polling locations because they're conveniently located in neighborhoods across the across the state. Everyone knows where they are, right? You go to the local elementary school. And they have, you know, big multi-purpose rooms, gyms where you can set up all the polling equipment.
0: Yeah. Well, Texas is the the nation's leader in creative voter suppression. And that is a terrible distinction for them. Uh, they have passed previous laws that target young voters. Uh, this is a state that has uh, no no excuse absentee voting unless you are elderly. Uh, so which they
1: also tried to do away with this year. A representative <laughs> which, introduced a bill to get a, to get rid of that.
0: Yeah, um, they passed SB eleven eleven, which targeted young voters and other uh, uh, voters who are more mobile. So we could go on and on about Texas, but what about Florida?
1: Another state having its time in the spotlight when it comes to to young people and education and schools. But there was a bill recently introduced in Florida, HB 7050, which says that each applicant who registers for the first time in the state and who the department has verified doesn't have ID on file is required to vote in person for the first time that a person votes in the state.
0: Yeah, this is just a way to prevent first-time voters, who are oftentimes young voters, from being able to vote by mail. It's just basically that simple. They're just depriving young voters the ability to vote by mail because they know that young voters in florida rely on vote by mail now remember page a few years ago um, my team and i sued florida because they tried to ban early voting centers on college campuses they passed this law that said actually first they passed a rule uh uh then a law that said that you could put a early vote center on in any public building, except on a college campus. I mean, Paige, what's up with that? So we sued, we won. Uh, Eventually that was rolled back, but Florida has tried to restrict college uh, and young voting before. And this is just the latest gambit to do so. I have said before that if, um, Uh, If uh, this new law, HB 750, uh, is enacted, which I suspect it will since DeSantis controls the legislature, uh, then Florida will be sued. Uh, Someone recently wrote that uh, I indicated that Florida may be sued, and I responded, I didn't say they may be sued. I said they will be sued. So uh, that's what's going on in Florida.
1: And people may say, how do you know that this law will target young voters, disenfranchise young voters? It's very similar to a Tennessee provision that requires first-time voters who register online or via mail to vote in person for the first time before they're allowed to vote by mail. So if you turn 18 while you're in high school or you send off a voter registration application and then you move for school or move for work and you still want to vote at home, you're you're out of luck if unless you voted in person before
0: yeah and Tennessee is you know the 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 terrible assault on democracy we have seen in the last few days and weeks in Tennessee, which is not just the wrongful expulsion of two black legislators, but also what we've seen um, done in the uh, to the city of Nashville, the threats that have been made to show, uh, by the state legislature against Shelby county these These attacks on democracy don't stand by themselves. Right, the, A legislature that is willing to assault democracy in that way, you have to look at the roots. And Tennessee has been, has been restricting the ability of full participation in their elections. They've been targeting young voters. And, and, and this is all part of a common mentality, a common approach that that legislature has a disdain for the voters and for voting rights and for democracy. So don't think that these things just crop up out of the thin air. It's all part of a pattern that we have to to denounce and we have to expose.
1: Mark, there's one more state I want to talk about because it's perhaps the state where it's most evident that Republicans have such a disdain for young voters simply because they tend to not vote for Republicans. Young voters tend to vote democratically. They tend to vote blue no matter where you are in the country as a whole college students do tend to vote more liberally than older counterparts. And no state exemplifies the contempt that Republicans have for that more than New Hampshire.
0: A little known fact, in New Hampshire, 11% of the population is made up of college students, and about 70% of them are out of state. So that is a huge percentage of the eligible voting population highest uh, eligible, highest percentage of college students for a voting um, age population in the country. And though New Hampshire has tended to trend bluer in recent elections, it is still a very, very competitive state. You still have had, in recent history, Republican senators. Uh, there's a Republican-controlled legislature, a Republican governor. And the tipping point for that state is always young voters. So there's no state that where the Republicans have had more contempt and more commitment to disenfranchise young voters than in uh, New Hampshire. And my law firm, in full disclosure, has brought a series of lawsuits now over the last few years, uh, have won some in the past, still litigating others, uh, uh, because This is so important to full participation um, in New Hampshire. Uh, You can find all of those cases if you visit the case page uh, for New Hampshire on the Democracy Docket website.
1: Mark, in New Hampshire, the state Supreme Court struck down a law that had overly strict residency requirements for voter registration, obviously a target at young voters, at low-income voters, more transient voters. New Hampshire Republicans have also tried to enact bills that change residency restrictions, change ID requirements, limit election day registration. But I think one of the most blatant attempts to disenfranchise student voters was in 2021 when New Hampshire Republicans tried to pass a bill that would require college students to qualify for in-state tuition in order to vote in New Hampshire.
0: Yeah, it's shameful. It's just shameful all around the country what Republicans are doing it's shameful that they are targeting voters who are eligible and have every right to participate because of a specific constitutional amendment. And it's also really short-sighted politics for them because of course, you know, young voters become older voters. And one of the things we know is that how people vote in their 20s tends to define how they vote for the rest of their lives. So they are alienating for short-term gain a big chunk of the electorate. But I I also don't want to let off the hook the colleges and the universities. You know, colleges and universities define themselves by the relationship with the town with the towns and cities in which they're located. You know, in most places where there is a college and university, they are the largest, if not, if not the largest, one of the largest employers they are oftentimes among the largest landowners. They are often in uh, times a key economic driver for an area or even for an entire region. And so university presidents and college administrators have a lot at stake in their relationship with the towns and the cities and the villages surrounding them. Everything from their engagement in the community as tutors, providing access to libraries, cultural events, what their policies are for opening their campuses, all of those things are part of their relationships. And so colleges and universities need to define their relationship with their local communities by how their students are treated as voters. It's not enough that the local town and university cooperate with traffic control for athletic events, they need to cooperate with the placement of polling locations. It's not enough that the towns uh, and states uh, are, are cooperating in taking pride in those, uh, those uh, universities and the dollars that they, that they draw. They need to similarly take pride in the rate of voting and the rate of civic engagement. And as you said, Paige, they can't just do everything they can to turn out people to make sure they're counted in the census. They need to make sure that they are doing everything they can to turn out those students to participate in their elections. Because those universities are only going to be as strong as their students and their alumni. And if those students and alumni reflect back that the colleges and universities stood by while while, uh, legislatures were disenfranchising them, then shame on them. And it will create an unhappy relationship with their young alumni. So Paige, that is all the time we have for today. Uh, You can find all of the cases and court filings and articles we mentioned in today's episode linked in the description. Guess what I just learned? Democracy Docket just launched a new merch selection for this spring. There's even something in there for voting. By supporting the Democracy Docket store, you can show off your support for voting rights. You can also help make sure that Democracy Docket keeps all of its content free for everyone. Head to democracydocket.com or click the link in the show description below to shop. I know Bodie will. Thanks for listening to Defending Democracy. If you enjoyed today's episode, leave us a review. To find out more and stay up to date on the latest voting rights and election news, visit democracydocket.com. And please subscribe to our free daily and weekly newsletters. We'll see you next time. Today's episode was produced by Paige Moskowitz, Alexa Rothenberg, and Sophie Feldman. It was edited by Paige Moskowitz. Defending Democracy is a production of Democracy Docket, LLC.